What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Home Field Podcast. So in today's episode, we'll first go over the Thursday night matchup that we had between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Los Angeles Chargers were able to beat the Las Vegas Raiders on the road in overtime, and they won by the score of 30-27. But we'll dive into that matchup when we start the episode. And then after that, We'll go over some of the NBA news that's been going on the last couple of days. We'll dive into the James Harden drama that's been going on in Houston. We'll also talk about the Supermax contract that Giannis Antetokounmpo signed with the Milwaukee Bucks a couple of days ago. We'll talk about the impact of that signing and where the Milwaukee Bucks will go from here. And then after that, we'll wrap up the episode with a preview of all the games for Week 15 in the NFL. Not really going to do... Too much of a deep dive into each game. We're just going to go down the game slate, kind of assess where both teams are right now, and then we'll just make a pick to see who wins in the matchups for the games later this weekend. With that said, you guys, should be a fun episode. Hope you guys tune in. With that said, let's get to it. So let's dive into this Thursday night matchup that we had against the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Las Vegas Raiders. So to kind of kick off week 15, the Chargers beat the Raiders in overtime uh, by the score of 30-27. to 27. Now, to be 100% honest with you guys, I didn't really watch much of this game. I kind of like was watching that kind of like bits and pieces throughout the game. But I was able to catch the overtime portion from beginning to end. And it actually looked like that the Raiders were going to march down the field with Marcus Mariota, who replaced Derek Carr, who left the game earlier with a groin injury. And it looked like Mariota was really going to put the Raiders in the win column here against the Chargers, but they weren't able to capitalize really around the 2-3 to three yard line to start off the drive. There was a, uh, I want to say that there was a, there was a time where I thought that uh, Josh Jacobs was going to score a touchdown either by running, he was running the ball, had a chance to get in, but he ended up slipping. And um, I remember on a third down play, they had Mariota run a bootleg and throw kind of like a quick out to one of the fullbacks and uh, the pass got knocked down. So the Raiders had to kick field goal to put them up 27 to 24 and then Justin Herbert threw a great pass on the drive after the Raiders kicked the field goal I believe he threw it to Jalen Guyton for about 50 yards that set them up really around I want to say around the two to three yard line and then a couple of plays later Justin Herbert was able to sneak into the end zone and give the Chargers the win like I said, they won by the score of 30-27. to 27. And with the win, I mean, with the Chargers, they're, they're not going to the playoffs this year. However, for Herbert, it was a big win for him. He bounces back from, I remember just a couple weeks ago, where they got absolutely annihilated by the Patriots, 45 to nothing at home. And to beat a solid team in the Raiders, and the Raiders are still trying to get a playoff spot in the AFC playoff picture at this point, and... The Chargers were able 
to deal a significant blow to the Raiders' chances into getting into the playoffs in the AFC race at this point. So it's a huge win for the Chargers and for Justin Herbert just to kind of build his confidence towards the end of his rookie season. And like I said, for the Raiders, it's an absolutely devastating loss for their playoff hopes. Right now they're sitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. They're looking on the outside in at this point. They still have somewhat of a decent chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs. They do have a couple more weeks, but this would have been a huge win for them. It would have pushed them to eight and six, and but now they're sitting at seven and seven. And like I said, they're, they're really kind of like on the outside. They're looking at the outside in at this point. And um, we'll see what happens over these next two weeks with the Raiders. But like I said, this was a significant blow to their playoff chances as it stands right now. But the main stories that we're going to get into today they're mostly going to deal with basketball we've we had a couple situations going on honestly we've had the obviously we've had the Giannis situation with the Bucks but the first one that we're going to get into is a James Harden situation in Houston right now so as it stands right now the Rockets are communicating with several different teams across the NBA who are interested in trading for James Harden so from what I've seen so far, it's still kind of a fluid situation. The 76ers, I've seen the Miami Heat are in discussions with the Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets. Those are some of the teams that have been in contact with Houston at this point for James Harden. But really the main team that is in focus right now to land James Harden is the 76ers. And there have been reports that Ben Simmons would be available in a trade package that would send... Simmons to Houston and would send James Harden to Philly. However, Daryl Morey, who, who's the president of basketball operations for the 76ers, now he used to hold the same position for the Houston Rockets just a few years back, ended up going to Philly this offseason to be their president of basketball operations. And he said flat out that they're not going to trade Ben Simmons in what in any way whatsoever. So he said... We are not trading Ben Simmons. He is an important part to our future. And that's a direct quote. That's a direct quote from him. And just to kind of like piggyback off of what Maury said, listen, if I'm him, I don't trade for Harden. James Harden at this point is just a volatile piece to pick up right now. And it all really kind of stems. I'm not even going to focus on some of the stuff that's been going on the last couple days or really about a week or two before where we are now. I mean, just looking at what Harden looked like when he showed up to his first preseason game the other day, he was out of shape. His conditioning wasn't there. And you could really say, like, he looked like Eddie Lacy showing up to the court for Houston the other day. If you guys don't know who Eddie Lacy is, Eddie Lacy is a former running back for the Green Bay Packers. And one of his biggest things that he could never really keep in check was his weight because a lot of times what would happen is he would come into training camp overweight and then he would work himself into game shape by the time that the season would start. But it was, but his weight was always an issue going into the season. And looking at what James Harden was, his first game in, in the preseason that he was available, it just the way that he looked in his warm-up clothes the other day, I mean, he looked just out of shape. It looked like, it looked like he was like 10, 15, 20 pounds out of shape. And, I, I mean, he said it in one of his press conferences the other day. He's really behind with 
where he's at. And basically right now it's all catcher for him. And I'm just telling you, like, I'll tell you this. It just leaves Houston's coaching staff in a terrible spot. This is Steven Silas's first year as a head coach for the Rockets. And this has to be extremely frustrating for him because within the first couple months of just being hired for this position, he's got to deal with all this drama unfolding in front of him. And he's at multiple press conferences where reporters have asked James Harden, uh, they've asked about James Harden, where is he? Is he going to be part of the Houston Rockets team this year? Is he going to buy into what you've been selling to the team this year? Like, you can tell that he's trying to stay focused on the team as much as possible, but his body language says more than anything that he's going to say. He's frustrated for sure. And I mean, I mean overall for Houston, it, it's just a mess. But I do think that there will be some relief for Houston from this drama fairly shortly. I really only see two scenarios with Houston in the near future. They either trade James Harden and they build around John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and Eric Gordon for the rest of the year. Or James Harden stays. He buys in into what the Rockets are going to do for this season. Start out the season and then he'll just kind of play it out from there. There's no other scenarios other than those two. It's really kind of those two. And if it were really up to me, I would just get James Harden out of there and just get, and try to get a bunch of trade capital back for him. I just I wouldn't be able to put up with any of his BS anymore. He showed up to the facility out of shape. He probably spent more time realistically in strip clubs than on a basketball court in the last few weeks leading up to the preseason. And just a few weeks ago, he turned down a two-year extension that would have paid him over $50 million a year. And on top, and that's on top of what he's getting from the team. The team still owes him over $100 million from the contract extension that he signed a few years back. And realistically, this is just scratching the surface. If I'm going to be honest, Houston's front office has bent over backwards to bring in solid talent for James Harden. They brought in Chris Paul a couple years ago. He was on the, the Rockets for two years. And in one of the seasons, I believe it was in 2018, they were one game away from the finals. And they were playing against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. And this is when Golden State had Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, and Draymond, when they were all running and gunning. And basically, this was the peak version of the Golden State Warriors. And they were one win away from getting to the finals. They just couldn't capitalize on the opportunity and they let it slip, and Golden State ended up winning the series and then moving on to the finals. And then going into this past season, in the beginning of the 2019 season, they traded for Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul got sent to OKC. Russell Westbrook took his place. And within one season with the Houston, he's already out as he got traded to D.C. just a few weeks ago. So... Here's the thing with Houston. I've seen some well-regarded analysts across the board say that Houston fronts uh, that Houston's front office is to blame for the Harden drama. In my eyes, these same people are either excusing or turning the cheek to this petty behavior from James Harden. To me, the issue is not the Rockets' management here. The issue is James Harden. He is the problem, and a lot of times, I think the media 
doesn't necessarily like to put too much blame on the players. You got to remember the players drive the league. And I do understand that they're the they're the main reason that everybody watches the NBA. But you have to call out behavior you have to call petty behavior when you see it. And James Harden is just being super petty with the Houston Rockets right now. This team has had the talent to buy for championships for several years. But James Harden, in every opportunity that he's gotten to get to the finals, he's fallen short every time. And now he's up to these shenanigans right before the season starts. Listen, if I'm their front office, I would just ship him out of there, get him out of the way. That way, I wouldn't have to deal with him for the rest of the season. Let somebody else deal with his problems. And then just build around John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon, and the young players that they have and just move on with the rest of the season. Listen, it they would still make the playoffs if James Harden was on the team. They're probably going to get bounced in the first or second round. But for me personally, as if I wouldn't if I didn't have to deal with all the drama that he's going to bring for the rest of the season if he ends up staying or if they don't find a suitable trade partner for him, if, if, if it was up to me, I would just not deal with him whatsoever and just get him out of there. It, it doesn't seem like he wants to really buy into what the team is going for this year. And I don't know whether or not you're even going to get him to play 100% at 100%, um, excuse me, like 100% effort for every game that they're in. So it's, it's just a really tricky situation for Houston right now. And it really does have the potential to spiral out of the out of control if Harden ends up staying and he doesn't commit fully to what Houston is trying to accomplish this year. So we'll definitely see how that goes. Obviously, this is a fluid situation. We'll probably find out more either tomorrow, this weekend, or next week. So definitely we'll keep our eyes out for that. Now that I got that out of the way, we'll talk about something a little bit more easier to talk about and I like seeing news like this. So Giannis signed Giannis Antetokounmpo, the superstar for the Milwaukee Bucks, just signed a five-year, $228 million Supermax contract the other day with the Bucks. For me personally, this is big for Giannis, and this is big for the Bucks because there have been some rumors flying around that Giannis could have left Milwaukee after this season. There are some rumors that he could have gone to Golden State, there were rumors that he might have gone to Miami after this season. Now, for me personally, I thought that Giannis was going to sign a new deal after this year in, in the offseason. I wasn't I was actually kind of surprised that he signed this deal right before the season started, just because I was in the mindset that he would go into the season, he would play it out. If if the Bucks played well and they were able to get to the finals and potentially win the finals, then I was in the mindset that he was going to stay. Now, had they fallen short, then th to me, there was a realistic possibility that he could potentially leave Milwaukee and then maybe join a team like Miami or a team out, out West like Golden State. But hindsight's always twenty twenty in this sense because Bam Adebayo for the Heat, he signed a contract extension just a few days ago. And then the Golden State Warriors, they drafted James Wiseman 
in the draft. So really those two teams were kind of like the rumored teams that Giannis could potentially go to if he were to leave the Bucks. And then when the Heat and the Warriors made those moves, it then seemed like Giannis was probably going to end up staying with Milwaukee. But at the time, I didn't really think of it like that. But now in hindsight, it's always 2020. That's probably something that I should have paid attention to. But like I said, this is a big deal for Giannis and the Bucks. You could put those fears to rest that he's leaving anytime soon because he's not got five years under his belt. So good for him. Now, with that said, where do both parties go from here? Now that Giannis has got his money, it's time for the Bucks to go out and win a championship. It's that plain and simple. Giannis is coming off back-to-back MVP seasons, and he just got a Defensive Player of the Year award last year. Now, the team overall has been doing pretty well in the regular season the last two seasons. They've finished as the number one team in the Eastern Conference both seasons, but the team has failed to reach the NBA Finals in both attempts in the past two seasons. So, now during this offseason, they did lose Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, but they were able to pick up Drew Holiday in a trade from the Pelicans, and he's one of the better two-way players in the league, so that's a big addition for the Bucs. I don't like the fact that they traded a bunch of a bunch of draft picks for him, but that's another discussion for another day. Now, looking at the trio of Giannis, Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, it's a formidable trio, but at the same time, you're going to have to deal with a Brooklyn Nets team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. You also got to deal with the Miami Heat, who have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, and then you got up-and-coming players on that same team with Duncan Robertson and Tyler Hero as well. And then you can't forget about the Boston Celtics. They got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker, and Marcus Smart. So those are three good teams right there. And then we'll obviously we'll see what happens with Philly if they end up making a trade for James Harden. We'll find that out very soon. So they're, they're definitely going to have some competition in the East to deal with. Like I said, I'm happy that Giannis has gotten his money. And I'm glad that he's staying with the Bucks because I think that's probably the best fit for him moving forward. But it's time for him to live up to the expectation of what the Bucks gave him with this contract. And it's time to deliver a championship for Milwaukee. But at the same time, with the way that the Eastern Conference is set up, it's not going to be easy for them. They got a really tough road for the next couple months in the Eastern Conference. Because, like I said, you got to deal with Boston. You got to deal with Brooklyn. You got to deal with Miami. And then you can't forget about Toronto. Toronto was one of the teams that knocked them out of the playoffs a couple years ago. And they knocked them out in the Eastern Conference Finals when Kawhi was with Toronto. So you can't forget about Toronto as well. So they're they're definitely going to have their work cut out for them. I'm glad that Giannis got his money, but he's got to deliver a championship for Milwaukee at this point. This team, this team talent-wise has a chance to get to the finals, but even if they do get to the finals, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to win because you're going to have to deal with a monster coming out of the, the Western Conference. Whether it's the Lakers with LeBron and AD, maybe if it's Golden State with Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, you got the Nuggets to deal with, with Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. You got the Mavericks, who got Chris Porzingis and Luka Doncic, and they're a really big and upcoming team. So whoever, if they are able to make it out of the Easter Conference Finals and get to the finals, 
they're going to have a real tough time dealing with a Western Conference team because the Western Conference is just stacked this year. It's always kind of been like that the last 10 to 15 years or so. But the West, they've got some killer teams out there, and the, and the Bucks are definitely going to have their hands full if they had the potential of getting to the finals either this year or in the near future. So we'll definitely see how things play out for Milwaukee in the near future now that Giannis is signed for the next five years. And then to kind of wrap up the episode, you guys, pretty much what I'm going to do is just kind of go over the the Week 15 matchups that we have in the NFL. I'm not going to do too much of a deep dive into each game. Pretty much just going to pick out the games from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock to the Sunday night game and then the Monday night game. So we'll just go down the list here. First up, we got the the Buffalo Bills going going up against the Broncos. It's a fairly easy pick here. I'm going with the Bills. The Bills have been on a roll the last couple weeks. They just came off a huge home win against the Steelers. They looked pretty impressive against them. I don't really trust Drew Locke here. He's just been too inconsistent, turns the ball over too much, and I think he's going to really struggle against that Buffalo defense. I think Buffalo wins this game fairly easily, and they move on to 11-3. So up next, we got the... Panthers and the Packers. So, this matchup, like I said, kind of, I mean, excuse me, I haven't said anything yet. This is going to be another easy matchup. I like Green Bay here. Aaron Rodgers is just an absolute monster right now. He's either number one or number two in the MVP race at this point. The The team offensively has just been clicking. Aaron Jones has looked good in some of, this, in some of these previous games that he's been in the last couple games. And, I just don't trust Carolina to have enough firepower to deal with Green Bay. Christian McCaffrey's probably not going to play in this game. Teddy Bridgewater is, I think he's going to put up a decent game against Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think Green Bay wins this one fairly easily. And they move on to 11-3 and as well as I predict the Bills will as well. Um, next, we got the Texans versus the Colts. So, the Colts... Right now are sitting at nine and four. They're trying to get that top spot in the AFC South against the Tennessee Titans. And I think looking at this game, this is a must-win game for the Colts here if they're trying to still get the top spot in that division. I'm good. I think the Colts are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a close one because I I'm not going to uh, sleep on Deshaun Watson and what he can do. Overall, the, the Houston Texans had a terrible performance against the Chicago Bears last week. They got absolutely smoked on the road. So I expect a bounce back game from Houston against Indianapolis here. I think Phillip Rivers is going to be the difference maker here, though. He's been playing pretty well the last couple weeks. Jonathan Taylor has been an absolute monster on the ground. I expect him to do the same here. It will be tough going up against J.J. Watt in that front line, though. So it may be more Phillip Rivers kind of leading the show for Indianapolis this week. But I think Indianapolis gets the win at home. I think this is going to be a competitive game, though. I think it's a, I think these divisional games are always difficult to be in, especially at the end of the year. And Houston is definitely going to try to play spoiler here. But I think Indianapolis wins a close one at home, and they move on to 10-4. and four. Up next, we got the Lions versus the Titans. Like I said, the Titans are still trying to vie for that top spot in the AFC South. I like the Titans here. I just think it's going to be too much Derrick Henry. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to light it up, too. I... To be honest with you, like I love this uh, 
I love this connection that Ryan Tannehill has with AJ Brown and Corey Davis. That I mean, to have two wide receivers like that and to be in solid rhythm with both of those receivers right now, I love the matchup against the Detroit defense with those players and Derrick Henry as well. I think Tennessee just rolls here. I, I just don't think Detroit has enough to deal with the firepower that Tennessee has on the offensive side of the ball. So I think Tennessee rolls in this one and they move on to 10 and four up next. we got the bears versus the Vikings. So right now both teams are sitting at six and seven and I will say this, the Vikings a couple weeks ago looked dead in the water just because they couldn't get anything going. But in the last month and a half or so, they have really turned it on. Now, granted, they did lose to the Bucks last week, so they are looking to bounce back here. The Bears did get a win against Houston last week. It was probably one of their best performances of the year, and it really kind of ended up really about a month-long stretch where they just played some really bad football really throughout the entire course of November. But they did. They were able to turn it around against Houston. It's a big divisional matchup. Both of these teams are still trying to vie for a spot in the NFC playoff picture. And I think this is going to be a very competitive game just because I think both teams really have nothing to lose at this point. They're going to go for broke in, these game, in this game. But I like the Vikings here. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a decent day. I think Dalvin Cook is going to have a great day on the ground. And... I think that the Vikings defense is going to be just enough to slow down uh, Mitchell Trubisky just because I don't trust Trubisky in big games. This is a big game for him, and I just don't think he's going to be able to live up to expectations. I think the Vikings win a close one, and they move on to 7-7. Seven and seven. So up next, we got the Seahawks versus Washington. So right now, the Seahawks are sitting at 9-4. and four, Washington sitting at 6-7. and seven. Washington is the home team. Now, Washington really is the team right now that's kind of the... It's basically the team to beat in the NFC East at this point. They have kind of taken the... pole. They have really taken the lead position at this point, so they're only one game away from 500. If they were able to get a win, they would move to 7-7. Seven and seven. However, I do like the Seahawks here. I think Russell Wilson's going to be too much for Washington's defense to deal with. I think this, is, this has the potential to be a high-scoring game just because... I think both teams have a potential to score points. Um, we'll see what happens with Washington's offense. Um, I don't know if Alex Smith is going to play in this game. If he does play in this game, I think there will be a potential for a lot of points to be scored. But if it's Dwayne Haskins, I don't think Washington's offense is going to be able to compete with the Seahawks. And I just like Seattle in this matchup. I think Seattle's just going to be too much. It wouldn't surprise me if um, if Chris Carson also has a big day on the ground as well. It just kind of depends on what the weather's going to look like. But I, I do think that Seattle's going to put up some points here. And I think they leave Washington with the win. And they move on to 10-4. and four. So up next, we've got the Patriots versus the Dolphins. We've got another good divisional matchup here. So the Patriots are sitting at 6-7. and seven, And the Dolphins are sitting at 8-5. and five. Right now, the Dolphins are a playoff team. They are sitting in the wild card spot. So they definitely need this game here. And they are the home team. Now, they're going up against a Patriots defense. They're going they're going up against a Bill Belichick team where they've won nine straight games against a rookie quarterback. And they're going to be able this is going to be uh, this is going to be a test for, for Miami because Miami lost to New England earlier in the season and it would be a devastating loss for Miami if they lose this game at home to the Patriots. 
I am actually going to pick the Patriots in this game, just because I think what I think what Bill Belichick is going to do. I think he's going to be able to limit Tua to kind of a pedestrian game, and they're going to make them try to beat them with with the Dolphins having the run game. I, it's just the run game is not not that strong from Miami, and I think overall. Um, they're gonna. The one thing that the Patriots defense is gonna ha- have to do is they're gonna have to guard uh, Gasecki, because Tua and Gasecki have had really solid performances so far when Tua has been in the starting spot for the quarterback spot, and I think as long as they're able to slow him down, you gotta check out for you gotta make sure Devontae Parker doesn't go off, so definitely keep an eye out for him. But I think New England is gonna play a very ugly game. Is going to make it kind of a gritty game. And I think New England is going to squeak this one out. It's going to be a really close game. It could really go either or at this point. It wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins win this game. I'm just going to pick the Patriots just because I don't think Tua is going to perform that well against a Belichick-led defense. And I think he's going to struggle in this game. I think the Patriots win this one and they move on to 7-7. Seven and seven. So up next, we are going to pick the Jaguars versus the Ravens. Easy game here. Ravens are going to win this one by a lot. The the Ravens came off one of their best performances of the season against the Browns. That was a huge win for them. They with that with that win against the Browns, they move on to eight and five. And I think against the Jaguars, they're going to move on to nine and five. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a big day, and I think he needs to just because the Ravens need to really keep playing well to finish off the season to get into the playoffs. I just don't think the Jaguars are going to really be that much of a threat. To Baltimore, I think Baltimore is just too dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. I think the Ravens' defense is going to have a bounce-back game after giving up 42 points last week against the Browns, and I think the Ravens win this one easy. And with the win, they move on to nine and five. So up next, we got the Buccaneers versus the Falcons. So the Bucks are sitting at eight and five, and the Falcons are sitting at four and nine. I think for this game, I'm picking the Bucks. The Bucks really need to kind of keep some consistency going to finish off the season. They've got some favorable matchups in the last couple games that they have for the season. This is one of them. And the Bucks have to get have to go on the road and get the job done. I think Brady's going to have a solid game. I also think that the defense is going to have an opportunity to get some pressure on Matt Ryan, potentially force some turnovers. Um the one thing that I would like to see the Bucks do a little bit better this week is run the ball. I think Shady McCoy is going to have some decent touches. I think Ronald Jones, actually, I'll take that back because I think Ronald Jones actually tested for COVID. So I would actually expect LaShawn McCoy to get some touches here in this game. But Brady, I think Brady's going to play well. I think the defense is going to step up, and I think Tampa Bay goes on the road, and they get the win, and they move to 9-5 and five on the season. So up next, we've got the 49ers and the Cowboys. So right now the 49ers are sitting at 5-8. and eight. And the Cowboys are sitting at four and nine. This is a big game for Dallas because Dallas's playoff hopes are pretty much hanging on by a thread at this point. They pretty much have to win out and then hope for some help with the rest of the teams in the NFC East. The Giants would have to lose pretty much every game from here on out. The same thing would have to happen with the Washington football team, which I don't really see happening. But really, the best thing that the 40, that the Cowboys could hope for is just get this win at home against the 49ers. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the 49ers are going to get this win on the road and knock Dallas out of the playoffs or knock knock them out of possible playoff contention. 
I just think that San Francisco's offense, even despite the fact that they're still banged up, um, I don't I don't believe that George Kittle is coming back this week. I don't know if he's even come back for this season. But I will say this, with Raheem Mostert kind of questionable, expect Jeff Wilson to get some touches out of the running back, out of the backfield for the 49ers. And I, and I do think that the San Francisco 49ers defense is going to step up. I think they're going to hold Andy Dalton to kind of a pedestrian game. I think they're going to lock up Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb might have a decent day. He might get some open targets, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think San Francisco San Francisco gets the win, and they move on to 6-8 and eight for the season. And I think they're not the Cowboys out of any last hope to get out of the playoffs. So that's where I see that game going. Up next, we got the Eagles versus the Cardinals. Kind of like I said with the, the Cowboys just a minute ago, Philadelphia's kind of hanging on by a thread for the, any sort of playoff hope. They're sitting at 4-8-1. The Cardinals are sitting at 7-6. and six. And for this game, I'm going with the Cardinals. The Cardinals are just too dynamic with Kyler Murray as a quarterback. I think he's going to have a big game. I think he's going to overwhelm the Eagles defense. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a monster day against the Eagles secondary. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets somewhere around eight to nine catches, around 100 yards. You know, you could probably throw in a touchdown there as well. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Right now, I think the Cardinals are just a better team. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to do enough against this Cardinals defense. Even though the Cardinals defense it has been suspect the last couple weeks, I just don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to be enough to beat the Cardinals here. So I think the Cardinals win this one. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Eagles are definitely going to give the Cardinals a run for their money. But I think Arizona is going to get this win, and they're going to move on to 8-6. and six. After that, we got the Jets and the Rams. This is a very easy one. Rams are going to win this one. The Jets suck. They're 0-13. They're going to go to 0-14. They're probably going to lose every game from here on out. They're going to finish the season 0-16. And if any team lose to them, loses to them in the next couple weeks, it, I they don't do this in the NFL. They don't do relegation like they do in the Premier League. But if the Rams lose this game, you got to relegate them out of the NFL. This is a easy win for the Los Angeles Rams. This should not be a competitive game. The Rams should win this one fairly easily, and they should move on to ten and four after this game. After that, we got the Chiefs and the Saints. This is probably the game of the week. The Chiefs are sitting at 12-1, and and the Saints are sitting at 10-3. and Now, both teams are both trying to vie for the top spot in each conference. It looks like Kansas City is probably going to get the top spot in the AFC with Pittsburgh faltering the last couple weeks. Now, New Orleans is sitting in a kind of a precarious situation because they got to deal with the Green Bay Packers, who are also 10-3 and and also trying to get that top spot in the NFC. It doesn't look like Drew Brees is going to return anytime soon. He's still recovering from those rib fractures that he suffered a few weeks back. Expect Taysom Hill to get the start. And this game, I'm going to pick the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are just too dynamic, and they're too explosive on the offensive side of the ball, and I just don't think that the Saints defense is going to be able to contain them. I think Taysom Hill can put up some points against this Kansas City defense. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think Kansas City is probably going to score somewhere around 35 points in this game. I think the Saints could probably put up around 24, 25 points in this game. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I got Kansas City winning this game, and they move on to 12, uh, excuse me, 13 and one. And they, and depending on what Pittsburgh does this weekend, they could actually get some more separation in that, in that top spot. 
for the AFC and a potential buy as well. So then we got the Sunday night game. We got the Cleveland Browns going up against the New York Giants. The Giants are in a really tricky spot here just because they are falling behind the Washington football team in the NFC East race. They need this win here to stay pace with to to keep pace with them. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Cleveland's going to march into the Meadowlands here, and I think they're going to be going to be able to get the win. Cleveland's just coming off a, ver a very difficult loss against Baltimore at home last week. I mean, putting up 42 points in a loss has got to be absolutely gut wrenching, and I think they bounce back in a in a big way. I don't know if they're going to put up 40 points in this game against the Giants. The Giants actually have a pretty good defense, and I expect the Giants to actually play up the snuff in this game, but. I just don't think it's going to be enough for the Giants to pull off a win here. I like Cleveland here. Bakerson playing too well. And I expect either him to connect with Jarvis Landry or Rashard Higgins on a consistent basis against New York's secondary. One of those guys is going to have a big game, whether it's Landry or Rashard Higgins. So I expect kind of more of the same from Baker over the last couple of weeks. I think he's going to have a big game. And I think they get the win and they move on to 10-4. and four. And then the last game... Of the week, we got the Steelers going up against the Bengals. This game uh, should be fairly easy for the Steelers just because the Bengals pretty much don't have really anybody at quarterback now that Joe Burrow is out for the season. So, Pittsburgh needs this win here. Pittsburgh has been falling off the last couple weeks. They were sitting at 11-0, but now they're sitting at 11-2, and they've been kind of in some trouble the last couple weeks. They have not been playing well. Really, the last game and a half or so, just kind of over the quarters that they've played. But I think they turn it around here. I think they get a big win on the road against a divisional foe in the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I don't think that this is going to be... Uh, I think this is going to be a relatively easy game for the Steelers here. And I think with the win, they will move on to 12-2 and and at least keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs. They, they need to at this point just because they have been kind of falling off the last couple of weeks. But with that said, you guys, that'll pretty much wrap up the episode. I want to appreciate you guys tuning into this episode. Now, I didn't go over any of the college football championships that are going on this weekend. I will be posting a, a YouTube video for that, so I'll probably record that. I'm recording this on Thursday, so I will probably drop this. I'll probably drop that YouTube video for the college football championship picks. Either, either tomorrow night or Saturday morning. It just kind of depends on when I get to it. Now, for next week, for the episodes that we have, obviously we have the NBA starting their regular season. I believe they start on the 22nd. So, really for the next episode of the podcast, uh, keep your eyes out for my predictions for who I think are going to be like the top eight teams in each conference. So, go over the Eastern Conference, who I think is going to perform well during the regular season. We'll go over the West, who I think is going to perform well throughout the regular season. And then we'll just kind of go from there. So obviously we'll, we'll recap the Week 15 games, and then we'll recap the College Football Championship games as well. So with all that said, you guys, that's all I got from here. Like I said, appreciate you guys tuning in, and take it easy.